0: Can I see? We'll Ted Belladin <laughs> This is my uh, This is my announcer This is my podcast voice Is
1: it also your late night DJ voice? Yes, exactly <laughs> Perfect Welcome to uh,
0: Late Nights with <laughs> Brian Chartrain on uh, KJZZ uh, Spinning your jazz favorites Cheers Cheers,
1: brother <laughs> Good to see you. you too, man
0: So, I'm gonna be honest <clears throat> I did a little bit of research on you today and um one of the things i didn't know about you was that you uh you were born in memphis yeah and how long did you live there
1: um for the better part of so i was in memphis because my my dad got transferred there for work so we didn't have family there i you know but i have four siblings three of us were born in memphis we worked we were there for his work so okay. i left there after sixth grade and i have not i think i've driven through since then once no shit yeah so i don't have family or connections there but yeah
0: um and then where did you move from memphis
1: philadelphia area philly suburbs my dad grew up in a farm in what was all farmland when he grew up uh-huh now it's 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 actually closer to trenton okay it's across the river from trenton um a little town called yardley and he grew up in that area his you know his his uh his parents were german immigrants uh-huh and ran a farm
0: i think that's why we're friends
1: yeah yeah so he, yeah yeah <laughs> you have german I, heritage yeah <laughs> i have family i have family in in and in, in, we talked about this a yeah. little bit freiburg area oh yeah come on about freiburg man. yeah
0: i love i mean have you been over
1: i the last time i was in freiburg was was 2001 and i was there hanging i had a friend there that was studying at the university yeah an oboist and i stayed with her for like two weeks oh and it was sort of a tumultuous period because I was sort of, I had I had been playing in a band that I knew I needed to leave. And I kind of went over there to like assess my situation. Yeah. And so it, I was a little, you know, a little bit lost, but it was a mm. good place to be lost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually there the first day the Euro. Oh, was introduced. Yes. Yeah. The first official day of the Euro. Yeah. Which confused the shit out of me, but All yeah, right. it was, it was good.
0: Yeah. Um, Gosh, there's a lot to unpack there. So, um, all right, all right. Before we get to the siblings, because this is always something that I'm fascinated about, is is how siblings affected the music that you grew up listening to.
1: Hmm.
0: But um, can we go back a little bit? So, so born in Memphis, you move to outside Philly, mm-hmm. um, and then you go to Eastman. Yes. In Rochester.
1: I lived in Rochester for about six years.
0: And doing a, an undergrad for performance?
1: I did, a, I did a four, four years of uh, classical saxophone. And, and then um, towards the end of that, I started, I started to sort of doubt... You know me well enough to know I maybe have a lot of self doubt. So, uh, at towards the end of my degree, I was kind of like, "Well, I don't know about this." You know, I'm not sure I'm cut out to be the starving artist. So, my friends moving to, going to move to New York and Mm -hmm. to do this, I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to try some other things." So, I did this program, which was really cool out of Rochester. They had this program that gave you a a free year of college if you felt like your undergrad degree did not give you a chance. To do all the things that you wanted to do and oh. i did a fifth year in philosophy yeah okay so i did all philosophy courses huh. for a fifth year which was great and then uh, towards the end of that i realized okay i kind of want to explore this more and um i had to take a year off because long story short college application timelines mm-hmm. and everything so i took a year i was just working in rochester then i applied for grad school and that's actually how I ended up in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Arizona was not on my map. Um, um, basically, it was between here and University of Minnesota, hmm. and I almost went to Minnesota. I literally flipped a coin. I flipped no a, shit. I flipped a coin because honestly, Minnesota. I still wanted to pursue music, but I had this. I had this sort of um, romantic notion of uh, philosophy professor by day, musician by night. Uh huh. Right, which was completely unrealistic, as I learned <laughs> later. But. Minneapolis was much more attractive to me musically than ha. I didn't know anything about Phoenix. Right, um, but I just, but it was also um, various reasons. I flipped a coin and I ended up coming to Arizona. ASU, yeah, yeah. ASU. Got my master's in philosophy.
0: When did you find the saxophone, or, or did, was it was it saxophone first or piano first?
1: I started as a kid playing piano. Every, okay. Like three of three of us took piano lessons, mm-hmm. and those was just a thing. My my parents, you know, were great. Were were great with us and really did the thing that a lot of parents do, which is you're going to try everything and Mm -hmm. you're going to have, you know, I played sports, which it was pretty clear early on. That was not going to be a area of uh, explosion (laughs) for me or explosive area for me. So, so music and academics I I liked equally and and I did piano early on. And then in in Memphis, they started saxophone in sixth grade. Uh So I started saxophone in sixth grade. And then when I moved out to Philadelphia, I was just, I was wrapped up in, too many things and i let go of piano after seventh grade which which is one of those things i still remember my mom telling me i'd regret and she was right yeah you know but all things considered i focused on saxophone after that okay
0: and then uh, played throughout uh, i'm assuming it was like a public high school in, in outside of philly yep and but you felt passionate enough about it
1: yeah i mean I think about this a lot cuz I th- cuz I, when I think about younger kids going through these decisions, you know, going to Eastman was great for me and I learned a lot about myself and I think I think the benefit to me was la- as much about being surrounded by people who were more like me, mm-hmm. Cause, like-minded, yeah. Yeah, cuz high school man, it's like I was a kid that asked too many questions cuz I enjoyed learning mm-hmm. and wanted to play music and I really didn't get a lot of the other stuff right mm-hmm. i mean i had friends you know we had our friends but i was definitely more in the band geek and then you go to eastman and it's like whoa we're all band geeks right and all of a sudden it's okay to be who you are right. which i think is one of the best things about growing up is you get to pick the people you get to surround yourself with for sure i mean it's 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 a huge thing so eastman was was an amazing school um I, I kind of felt like I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was known as a, in that time mm-hmm. as a good musician, and, mm-hmm. and I, was, my, 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 I, was, I was bifurcated. I was either going to be a lawyer or a musician. Whoa. Yeah.
0: I feel like that's like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like one side of the brain and the other side of the brain.
1: Yeah, I f- often feel torn. Right. And, and the ironic part for me, or the strange part at least, is I feel like as a musician, I'm much less mentally regimented than I am about damn near anything else. Yeah. So like I I prefer sort of the emotive um ear-based not brain-based playing. Right. But right. on everything else I'm painfully pragmatic.
0: Yeah. Analytical yeah. research, yeah. you know, that 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 yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I don't ha- I I'm the um the other one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, hold on. There's still more I need to know about this. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, three other siblings. Mm-hmm. And where do you fall kind of in the trajectory of, the, of
1: that? My brother's about 14 months older than me. I have a sister that's about two years younger and another sister who's um, four and a half years younger. Okay. We're all pretty tight.
0: That's close, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 the reason why I ask um, is that I find that with folks who have, say, old, much older siblings are introduced to music that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to naturally mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because yeah. you know what's hip for a 16 year old is not necessarily hip for a 10 year old you know yeah that sort of thing yeah did that even come into play
1: i think it did because so you know i'm in band i'm playing in you know and any of your siblings are in band Um, both my sisters played in band. My brother was more, uh, into sports and art. Mm -hmm. So he ended up, he's an architect now, Mm -hmm. but he introduced me to like Led Zeppelin, which is still my favorite rock band. Yeah. And, um... And stuff like so. So there was some some crossover, and my world was, you know, just different. Yeah, being in band, you know, you're more focused on instrumental. There's no there's no saxophones in popular music. Or, well, yeah, at that time. At that time, at, no, but at that time there were. I would argue the, that. there were. Yeah, so men at work and
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> in Lewis excess. And the news. Yeah, there's
1: there's I pieces mean, of it, but we didn't do that. You right. know, when you're oh, in the yeah, band, you, yeah, you, you you're doing it. So like, the, right? You know, you're doing. You're in the
0: marching band, or you're yeah, in the concert band, yeah. and you're, out. Know,
1: yeah, so you don't think of yourself in those, in that capacity, and you least. didn't
0: aspire to play that music. Like you, you were totally. I didn't know cool. it was
1: possible. I mean, I didn't think about it. I just, I just, you know, you're you're on this course, and and mm-hmm. you know, you're just trying to do what the best you can in the situations you're presented. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the situations I was presented were band and you know jazz band, and
0: so there was a jazz program, yeah. at the high school, yeah, yeah, and. I'm assuming you heard jazz before you got into the jazz band.
1: Not really. Right. Oh, no shit. No, I, I didn't really. I had a great teacher in the jazz band, but the thing is, I lived in suburbia, man. They're, like, you didn't hear. My parents were great. I, I have nothing but positive things to say about them. But, but I my dad loved country music, and my mm. mom had like... Barry Manilow records yes. was like, and the Bread. I still remember being a kid and listening to the Bread. I don't yeah. even know if you know who they are.
0: The Bread or the just Bread, the Bread.
1: Oh, I don't know the, the bread. bread. That was that was the one record that had some element of like psychedelic rock, it, it, and it and by element I mean five <laughs> percent. But that was like all we had, and wow. and it wasn't like today where you can go to Spotify and hear anything, sure. right? So I had very limited exposure to stuff outside of that well
0: that that was my next question was what you know what records were your folks listening to because that obviously Mm -hmm. plays a big role in your exposure early on
1: yeah
0: um how you connect to popular music or their you know that generation's popular music
1: i again i i think about this a lot because i mean i grew up listening to country really
0: that's what my dad did and, and, and
1: did he grow up
0: like listening to country yeah
1: just farmer you know Uh uh-huh you know he he literally worked the farm and then and then when he went to school he studied agriculture Mm -hmm. so he ended up as a salesman for a company that sells stuff to farmers that was still part and parcel of who he was
0: and and this is this this is like you're now in outside of philly this is where he
1: grew up yeah this was this was the middle of nowhere it's now tract housing Uh but back then it was all farmland wow it's all farmland. And In fact, the farm that my dad grew up on dates back to William Penn. There was a barn that, that literally stood in the era of, of William Penn. Damn. And my brother has kind of taken some of those, the framework of that building and still aspires to build. Oh, as the architect. Else. Yeah. How cool would that be? Yeah. I mean, like beams from trees that you can't find anymore. Yeah. Because we've cut them all down, right? Oh, my like, God. like long I don't know how many feet long, like incredible, just huge, massive things. So, so yeah. So he grew up in that that thing, and then and my mother, my mother played piano a little bit, but she didn't actively play. Like mm-hmm. she she had some training as as. But, but there,
0: there was a piano in the house. There was a piano up. in the house, yeah.
1: and we all took piano lessons. Mm-hmm. My brother took guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. My sisters ended up playing clarinet and oboe, respectively, and I mm-hmm. ended up on saxophone. I wanted to be a drummer, but mm-hmm. there were four of us, and I already drove everybody crazy doing the. <laughs> tapping the table and shit so so that was an that was a non-starter right. so i ended up on saxophone and and that's cool yeah, yeah that's
0: cool. worked out you know so all right so you go to eastman but you're also still working as a gigging musician in rochester
1: i yeah so in rochester i i did play some i play I, you know i was again doing weddings and stuff to pay i had to pay my bills for that fifth year the, the tuition mm-hmm. was free but i and my parents helped me some but i needed money rent to live and on food and yeah, whatever yeah. yeah which was i shudder to think like i think about what i paid in rent in rochester and like nowadays no <laughs> wouldn't cover the hoa on, no. on somebody's so, yeah no. but wouldn't cover yeah. your utility bill <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty crazy <laughs> but but nevertheless i played weddings and i have you know i knew people in town i played this and that but mostly, and, and these were connections that 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 you would make through the school no oh really uh, not, i didn't so the, rochester's a weird city because It has this world-class music school, but and there are some people that stick around, but usually educators, because Mm -hmm. there isn't really a scene to support them. Right, right. I mean, there is a music scene in Rochester, but not full-time. Right. Very few full-time. And there are people that, you know, like I played in a wedding band and, you know. So how did you
0: get, like, for example, how did you get connected to this particular wedding band?
1: They needed a saxophone player. And they
0: just hit you, like in the Yellow Pages or some shit? Not
1: Yellow Pages. They just, I guess, you know, it's a small town. Yeah. Rochester's smaller than Mesa, yeah. right? Right. Um, Mesa, actually, Mesa is not that small, but um, it's bigger than Minneapolis. People don't realize. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's 40th, 38th in the country. Oh, my like that. God. Anyway, yeah, it's it's just word of mouth. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened here. I right. mean, I, I came out, I started sitting in, I got a couple gigs, and then people needed a saxophone player. Right. And back then, I didn't play keyboards at all for anybody. I just played saxophone.
0: I have a uh, a very important question to ask you. All right. <clears throat> garbage plate
1: i i have indulged <laughs> <laughs> never sober but <laughs> that is the best time
0: for a garbage plate. it's the only time like, or the next day like, yeah yeah right if hangover you're, if cure, you're nursing a hangover that's a secondary use yeah. you go and you get yourself a garbage plate i gotta tell you we uh, we were just we were talking outside about my old band, uh, Flying Lessons, uh, teamed up with the band uh, called Milk House, and they uh, they would bring us out to Rochester, and we would do um, um, milestones, and we we play in Ithaca, and we do we'd play in Syracuse, and we would do these little you know uh, three day weekend things, and we always had to have a garbage plate. Yeah, and I don't even I I you know. I don't remember like if it was a particular restaurant it almost didn't matter it was just give me all the shit yeah put some hot beef sauce on it <laughs> Yeah, those I were
1: grill scrapings uh know,
0: shit. It, the, the it wasn't you, like a very uh fine gravy no that
1: they no no it was it was there were two ways to order it with or without right right with was with grill scraped gravy oh. uh which was just basically you know burnt burnt beef and shit and, i love it and grease oh. or without that was and, and and if you tried to do anything else the guy behind the counter was just like Get the f- yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out of here, man. This isn't yeah. what we're about. Man. I mean, it, it was pretty funny because it, it was just like, uh, you know, it was oh like the God. town drunks, and and then the, and then right behind them were the fraternity kids, right. that were just trying to <laughs> grease their stomach away from a, a hangover. <laughs> you know, oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I I I kind of want to. I've I've had like a thousand restaurant ideas. I I want to in Tempe. On mill, I want to do a garbage plate.
1: Like I, I could see it working. Can't you see it? I can but see it. I, yeah, it, it's pretty goddamn awful, though. Oh, I gotta it's be terrible. Honest. It's
0: it's the worst. Yeah, but but your metabolism <laughs> when you're eighteen.
1: Yeah, it really it really is just a bunch of food.
0: Can you imagine with a lot of grease to coat your stomach? It's like yeah, French fries, potato salad, mac, uh, mac salad, a coleslaw, a couple cheeseburg patties. Yeah, that 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 beef gravy i mean gravy is like a
1: it's a proper yeah. way
0: to describe what this shit was <laughs>
1: um, it's the part of the beef hamburger that you weren't supposed to eat <laughs> because right. it grilled out that's right that's right yeah. it's from the trap yeah. it's from the grease trap yeah. um yeah but when you're 18 yeah. you can eat that yeah. and, 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 it, yeah. and you're totally fine and it's cold like people you know we don't right people from phoenix don't realize right like you you right. get out of a you get out and it's like you know Thirty degrees when you're walking out of the bar. Yes, you're drunk. Yes. You're hungry, and you just want something hot in your stomach and, and beefy, yeah, hot, <laughs> hot and beefy and and greasy. Ah, yeah,
0: just a yeah. just a you know it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a forgotten cuisine that I uh, <laughs> I want to resurrect. Yeah. on Mill,
1: I just I, think I, it would I can't remember the name of it, but there's this it's there. There's a Filipino thing where they take and they take like a a and. Chicken egg, and they crack it before it's fully formed, mm-hmm. and it ferments. Mm-hmm. 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 Balut, I believe. I can't remember. And it's and and like to anybody that is not of that culture, it's awful. Yes. And I feel like the garbage plate is the balut of <laughs> Rochester because it, it it just looking at the it's just uh. there's nothing good about it uh. except for those memories you have of yes. quenching your your drunken. <laughs> uh.
0: Uh, or yeah. you know, well, with a name like garbage plate, you don't yeah. have you don't have super high expectations right. about the, the, the delicacy yeah. of this fucking thing. No pretension. But bro, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Okay, so I was I was going to have to end the podcast if, if you <laughs> if you hadn't, especially Nick spending, Taho's, bro. That's what it was, Nick
1: Taho's, Nick Taho's. And then they had another one, Taho's. I can't remember the other one. They had another location on Monroe. Oh. But yeah, it was just it was just, just. it was food for drunks. Oh. oh. I'm and I was, <laughs> I, was <laughs> <tropic>. <laughs> I feel I was, like I need a minute yeah, I was to, I was a young man you know? I, was, <laughs> I was in college <laughs>
0: um all right so uh now you've you wrap up uh I'm assuming you know the 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 year after you have your bachelor's in performance like what is the accreditation of that fifth year
1: I mean, t- technically, it was part of my bachelor's program. Oh. So, but I, I I would have graduated, but I decided not to. In other words, I, I, I just extended. I, see, I extended I my degree by a year. I didn't get another. It, it wasn't another degree. Okay, but it, it allowed me to credibly apply for graduate school. Right,
0: and you in, already, in a completely
1: different thing. And yeah. you,
0: well, I thought the, the grad school was in philosophy.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so I moved here in '99 to go to SU. I did two years at SU. Oh, okay. And then I graduated. Okay. Okay. The philosophy the philosophy thing in Rochester was not a degree. It was just mm-hmm. it was like
0: A year to explore a different yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. And then
0: um wait, so I'm a little confused. So you you have the bachelor's and then what you wanted the, the masters in philosophy. And yeah. That's what brought you to ASU. Correct. Okay.
1: Mostly I just wanted a chance to I didn't really care about the degree as much as I, wanted a, I needed a, a way to get out of Rochester yeah. and have my expenses paid for. So I, right. I graded papers, I got a stipend. Yeah. Didn't have any debt incurred. I yeah. actually left graduate school with money in my pocket. No shit. Yeah. Because I was cheap as. Damn. Yeah. I had gigs and. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. So,
0: and, and walk me through the process of, of coming from Rochester. And, you know, I grew up in New England. I'm sure <laughs> you, that first winter in Tempe, Must have been glorious.
1: Oh, it was, but it was preceded by my first summer in Tempe. (laughs) (laughs) I moved to an apartment that had free utilities, which I didn't understand why that would be a bad thing. No AC. (laughs) Yeah, it had AC. But it was one of those things that they they had water like cold water blowing through a pipe, and then they blew air on it. Yeah, so a swamp somewhere cooler. Yeah, it wasn't quite a swamp cooler, but it was like it was like one step above a swamp cooler. Okay. And the real problem was that these things were old and they would yeah. corrode. So my first my first day in Roche, in 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 Tempe. in in Tempe removing, I was in an apartment on Southern and Baseline, and the apartment was cool. It was fine. It was you know, but the AC went out my very first day here it was literally, it was 110 degrees <laughs> in my apartment i've never i've never experienced 110 <laughs> degrees anywhere let alone in a place <laughs> i'm supposed to sleep and and it's humid because the air is still blowing on this pipe trying to cool the right, place down right. so i remember i'll never forget i had the place had carpets and i had one of those red folders like just a basic folder, know, yeah. mil- not all but red. Right, right. And right. I'd left it on the, the carpet and yeah. I went to pick it up and it had bled into the carpet. No shit. Like it was so it, I, it turned to mulch Yeah. Or <laughs> so the first week I get here, I'm hit by that. I, I I was so frustrated. I got out into my car and I pulled out and I actually hit like one of the beams that supported the <laughs> shade structure, which we didn't have in Rochester because nobody needed right, a shade structure. Right, it right. was just a stranger in a strange land. Yeah. You know, there's weird cactus everywhere. There's like broccoli growing in people's front yards. looked like, you know, I didn't know what the hell was happening. I was just very confused, but it took me a minute.
0: I bet. I mean, I remember that too. Just the, the aesthetic shock from Massachusetts driving to Phoenix being like, uh, did I arrive at the bottom of the fucking sea? Like <laughs> yeah. where am I right it now? It was
1: like the this the, the, the landscape of Mars with yes. uh, with with alien plants, like yes. sea anemones growing in the dirt.
0: Yeah. It was crazy. And so all right, two thousand and one, you're in Tempe. This is still, if I'm not mistaken, not at the height of, of the of the Tempe music scene, but like there were clubs that were still yeah. happening. Yep. Yeah. Do you have uh, any recollection of some of those early, early experiences where I'm assuming you got here and thought, well, I should find some, find my community, find my, my, yeah. my crew. And, um, did you like go out on mill and like, hit some of the clubs and
1: I mean, so, so when I, well, I actually, so I came here, I mean, it was earlier than that. I came here in 97 mm-hmm. and I graduated by 99, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, um, um, I, B-Low's, I like yeah. the first thing I did, someone told me about below. So I would go and sit in with Dennis mm-hmm. wow. and I would go and sit in with this guy, Jay Bush. And I ended up working with him quite a bit. And Paul Stubblefield, who is a singer who's now in Vegas, I believe. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, it, it took me a little bit of time to work my situation in, but it not, not that long. And I was, I had some gigs. hmm. And, and, and the, I was, you know, definitely stranger. I had only really worked professionally in Rochester, which is very small and insol- isolated, mm-hmm. uh, crew of people. And, and yeah, it took me a minute, but the, the the funniest things I remember from those days on mill is back then they, you know, they had liquor laws here that, um, precluded you from drinking at the place you were playing. Mm-hmm.
0: So, Oh, is it was a, it was a law.
1: Yes, it was it, the interpretation of the liquor law said, if you're on, if you're working you can't be drinking. So musicians, they included musicians in that, even though we were, you know, not employees. Right. Yeah, were, yeah. But that was, that was the interpretation of it. So oh I would show up, I would show up for Dennis's gig. And I don't know if I'm going to get anybody in trouble, but, <laughs> but like, um, at back in the time at Delos, which was a great club. Yeah. Um, they, the saxophone player in that band, you know, he wanted to get his taste. So yeah, a taste. if I showed up, he's like, okay, this guy's all right. And he, he can at least hold it down. And, and not embarrass us too badly. So I'm going to go and drink, Yeah. and you just play. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, so it was his gig technically? Oh, it was his gig. Oh, I see. I mean, he was he was the saxophone player in the band. Got you. And but he but he could go upstairs and get a, you could you could get a drink at the bar you weren't playing at and oh, come great. back to the bar. And so so back the, easy workaround, bro. Yeah. Right. Very so very so he workaround. would go and I would sit and, and sit in and, and that's how I met Dennis. <laughs> that's and Greg awesome. He'd be and, like,
0: hey, Ted, come down. Uh, yeah. I got. I just want you to sit in. I really do this shit. <laughs> Meanwhile, he just is like, "All right, yeah, see you yeah, in twenty five yeah. minutes. I'm going to yeah. go have a couple of pops. I'll be back." You know. Yeah.
1: But so it worked. Everybody wins. Everybody. I, wins. You know. That's he was right. playing the same. He back then they played three nights a week at the place. So yeah. like he was perfectly happy to take. Who a else break. was in that band? Do you remember? Um, I think when I first got here, it was um, they rotated a little bit, but uh, Greg Warner was always the drummer. Uh-huh. And then um. Joey Navarro, I think, was playing keys when I first got here, and he was he's since been an L.A. guy for years. Yeah. And uh, John Murray was playing, who's back here now, but for a long time he was in L.A. playing with, um, oh, shoot, Bobby Caldwell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And he's been back here for a little while. But then later on it was Chris Goff playing keys, and um, I can't remember who else played bass. Justin Brotman played bass. Mario wasn't a part of that. Mario never played with them. No, hmm. and that was more of an upright gig, like eighty oh, okay. percent upright. Got gotcha. you. Maybe a little and
0: more like, kind of standards.
1: Yeah, I mean Dennis always did like a combination of standards and Motown.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean,
1: and and some other things, but that was if I had to pick two yeah. categories, like yeah, jazz. Yeah. I mean Dennis toured with Count Basie for right. seven years, so that right. was you know his his thing. Yeah, definitely a jazz singer at heart. Right, but also from Detroit and loved Motown. Right. Um,
0: let's take a break. Hmm? You need a, you need to touch more.
1: I mean, it couldn't hurt. It might <laughs> hurt, but maybe in a good way. No, 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no, no. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Engstrom team. That's Becky, Carrie, and Kate. This is a mother-daughter real estate team with Coldwell Banker Realty. The market is crazy right now. We know this. But Becky, Kate, and Carrie can guide you through. Being a buyer can be very competitive. And you want a team that's looking out for you. When selling, they will let you know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Engstromteam.com. They helped me find my first home. Please find them online. E-N-G-S-T-R-O-M. Team.com or call them at 480-250-1936 Oh oh I haven't seen him for So my next question How did uh, the pandemic affect you
1: mm. I
0: know it's pretty broad
1: um, I mean So I guess, um, well, definitely the loss of, so one of the things like we were just talking about, uh, you you had mentioned like you, you, when you started this podcast, you you know, you knew all these guys, but you didn't have a chance to really talk with all these guys. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I, for myself, my social life and my musical life are, are almost neck. And I mean, it's not entirely, it's not a one-to-one connection, but it's pretty damn close. Yes. Right. So um, you're cut off, not just from your, your livelihood and the thing that you spent your life learning how to do, but also from all of your friends. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And, um, I think, I think isolation was, 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 um, the predominant effect for me. If I had to pick one, um, on a, on a positive note, like both Jen and my wife and I were not sure how we were going to do with just each other. You know, like at the beginning of the pandemic, where you like, you know, you weren't sure what was what, and who right. you could, you didn't know if you could shake hands with anybody, or right? right? It was just us, and um, and your cat. No, well, our 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 cats have have left the mortar coil uh, oh, some time ago. That. that was pri- that was pre-pandemic. That was oh, okay. okay. but sorry um, no, it's okay. Um, they lived good lives. I we we made did. sure of it. I bet they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, we came out of it stronger i think yeah like it could have gone either way for a lot of people it went a different way yeah look because i mean you know she worked days i worked nights right. so um, i mean that's
0: in the quote unquote good time right when when yeah. things were great yeah it, you know you would you were both working and and uh doing what you did and, and feeling fulfilled from what you did but the flip side of that is that you ne- didn't really have let's say you know, days together. Yeah, and now you only have days together.
1: Yeah, and, and months. Yeah, spent more time with my wife than I had in my entire that's our great. entire relationship. That's it was
0: good, awesome silver lining.
1: But for a lot of people, it's not so good. And it's not like it was challenge free. You know, right. you have the run of the place. Both of us had the run of the place for a, for a lot of, mm-hmm. and now we're sharing that space. So mm-hmm. there's some challenges, but it was mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. It affected that. I ended up you know, I remember in somewhere around March, I thought I okay. remember thinking, well, this won't last very long. You mm-hmm. know, you know, what the, mm. <laughs> yeah. Wrong about that. Obviously, <laughs> you know, I was still like calling gigs a, a month out. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think we should cancel? Uh-huh, right. You know, uh-huh. and then, and, and, and then the realization comes like, oh shit. Yeah. Right. So at some point I, I picked up a, I went and I went and took an online course in bookkeeping, which is I've always been sort of fiscally minded. So I figured, all right, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't trust that anybody cares enough about musicians to keep paying us unemployment. Right, right. So I learned that trade, and I ended up picking up a couple clients. That was the first the first time I've done anything other than music for since I taught philosophy wow. right after my degree. Wow. So it, you know, it was a little.
0: So that was the shift, right?
1: But it was a minor shift because I only picked up a couple clients, and I, what I, as soon as gigs started coming around, I'm like, yeah, this is cool, but I mean, it's good to have. I saw I'm down to one client at this point, and that's good. But you, but you, I mean, this I is have like, the skill, and I, I know that, like, if push came to shove, right? I built an option.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I was wondering about this. Because I know uh, what is the name of the
1: the accounting firm? Uh, Sound Bookkeeper. Sound Bookkeeper.
0: Yeah, lovely. Um, I I just I'm I'm um, in awe that that you could shift gears kind of so drastically. Because again, as I as I say, you know, you you had this left side of the brain, the right side of the brain, and you can you can utilize both, but you made a very distinct decision to do a drastic shift from being a you know full-time performing musician to having you know an, like an accounting practice um and I look at that and I and I'm I'm just in awe of that transition.
1: Well, thank you. Um bookkeeper is sort of the entry level accountant. It's not a CPA. It's mm-hmm. honestly I mean I feel like most musicians should if they don't do their own taxes at least once they should like fake do their own taxes right. just so they understand i don't i feel every time i talk to musicians about their income and and their write-offs i feel like there's gross fallacies in yes, play i would agree and and i just so we work really hard to make what we make which hasn't really increased in a lot of years so yeah we need to be on top of our game. Yes. And Anyway, so I've, I've, been, I've always had that in the back of my head just um, to manage my own situation. And I just figured, you know, looking around like, okay, I can extend this to other people. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. The difference is when you're making a, a crap ton of money and you're, and you're messing up on 20% of it, it doesn't hurt you very much. Right. When you're making what we make and you're missing out on 20% of it, right. it hurts a lot.
0: Right. No, I think, it's a, I think that that's a really valuable lesson to say new musicians who are trying to m- make a go at this is mm-hmm. that you have to have your finances in order or at yeah. least an- like you have to come at it from from not the artistic mind necessarily but from the other the others you know the yeah. other side of the brain and keep your shit together you know and but yeah. but, the, but the same can be said for like you know, keeping your calendar up to date, not flaking on bookings, yeah. uh, being professional, uh, showing up on time, being prepared. Like these are all things that maybe as a new musician, um, not you take for granted. You just don't think about it. Yeah. You're like, I want to be a musician. And that means this.
1: Well, but what it yeah. means
0: in reality is you are, you are an independent business owner yeah. and no one is going to cover your ass yeah no. you need to do that
1: this This is the first time in, in American history where self employed people were even qualified for unemployment right so everybody that is out there i mean we all know people that uh, you know some of our friends made more money off of unemployment than they ever would have right. made right right and that's i'm not I don't hold anything against them for that but right. th- but what I would encourage them to think about is what if that hadn't been extended mm-hmm. to self employed people because mm-hmm. it very it very probably could have right if it weren't for uber drivers right. The whole gig economy. The whole the, concept right. of the gig economy. The, the, the reason that it was extended wasn't because of musicians. No. no. It was because more and more people find themselves in the situation. So I would just, you know, again, <laughs> if you're expecting greater society to value musicians more, um, mm. at least monetarily. Right. Everybody values musicians. They just don't right. pay them. Right. Because they don't have to. Right. Because we don't make them. Right. But- I guess all I am saying is like, really keep in mind what where would you have been if not for the self employment extension and in and this it, situation and it
0: wasn't immediate. I mean I don't no, know if you remember it wasn't that unemployment was like okay you know and then I was thinking well what are we gonna do yeah and Whoa. it took it took a number of months if I am not mistaken until they finally put that thing yeah in the PUA where it's like are you a gig worker and yeah I was like yes 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 I am and then they're like list your employer. Brian Chartrand. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh my God, I, there was some sort of strange, like, they see me, strange validation that, oh, we're not going to get left, you know, through the yeah. cracks or whatever, like in in the the housing crisis in seven and eight, um, where I felt like they could give a fuck about us, yeah. you know.
1: Well, there, there's, I mean, I think everybody. Has an experience in life where you have to decide to give somebody grace and decide whether that's a teaching moment or mm-hmm. an encouraging moment. In other words, you know, you've hired musicians. If someone shows up late to your gig, do you hire them again? Do you give them an ear full of shit? Or do you say, it's all right, man, it's no big deal? And the problem is, if you say, it's all right, it's no big deal, you're encouraging in some degree mm-hmm. with certain people mm-hmm. for that to happen again mm-hmm. versus you're fired. Right. I love you, but you're fired. You play great, but you didn't show up on time. And this is, this is the kind of gig where I need someone to show up. Right? Right. So you have to play. I mean, the government's in that position to, to a great extent mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, you didn't mind your finances. And now when, when the shit hit the fan, you have nothing to cover yourself. Mm. That describes nearly every musician I know. Right. And, and not just not just local Phoenix musicians. Right. A lot of musicians. Yeah. I
0: don't know of a musician whose cage wasn't rattled last year. Now, whether that means, you know, you know, obviously we couldn't work. Okay. That means your cage, your cage is rattled. But beyond that, like I was thinking like mental health issues, uh, you know, not, not just finances, but things that, that are bigger than that. And I mean, obviously you can't, um, you can't control those moments. You can't even I don't know how do, how you would prepare yourself for the mental cage rattling that happened. That's a whole nother thing. But th- this is just the nuts and bolts of 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 being a professional musician. Um if you can't perform, how do you how do you pivot if you know if if no one's yeah. buying music anymore, how do you pivot? You know, so all these all there's just such a it's like this uh crazy fractured piece of glass and it's like Man, we have a lot to deal with. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and 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 I want to just to to put in context what I've said. Like, I don't mean to condemn. Like, no one, none of us could plan to be completely unhirable for a year and a half. Right. That's not a fair thing. No. To plan for no, but it's it's impossible. But but I will say, you know, I think about this too. Like, if I break a hand, Mm -hmm. right. How many musicians do you know that don't have health insurance? Right. Which is you know, it, but and even if I do have health insurance, right? Okay, my hospital bill's covered, but I still can't work with a broken hand,
0: right? Like we are. Well, you have a five thousand dollar deductible, five thousand yeah, dollar deductible, yeah, that, and that's just yeah. going to come out, right? Right. All right. And then on top of that, the five thousand dollar hit, you can't work for three can't months.
1: Work. Better be uh, better. Learn how to sing. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. So so I mean I do think about this, and 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 I mean it, it sucks because none of us got into this for the money, right? But without money, we can't do the thing that we got into. Right, right. And and it's a very difficult. And it's and it's why you know it's why it's why we're still talking about the hundred dollar gig. Right. Because not all of us just want to play, man. Right. We just want to make music because that's what we live for. But yeah, like our livelihood. So the pandemic put a lot of that in light. And mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, I, I I I looked at this other thing and learn this other skill and, and I have it did what you had to do. And I hope that I don't have to ever do it full time. Use it again. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'll tell you, I, I, it helped me with my own, yeah, business. with your own, own sh- books. Right. Like, Cause I've always done my own books, but now yeah. I, now I really do my books. Yeah. Well, and I think
0: it's cool that, that there was that silver lining, you know, uh, with, with Jen and with learning this new skill, you know, yeah. I am, I applaud anyone who came out of last year um not necessarily financially ahead but just kind of emotionally or not even emotionally but cuz i'm still fucking working through that shit yeah emotionally um it's it's took the time you know saw um saw that you had some some time to do something different and did it and whether like you say whether you ever do it again that's yeah. up to you like you yeah. get to decide that and that's that's a that's a position of strength and power, and um, I mean, yeah, not everyone came out of that experience with that, me included. So, anyway, hats off. Hmm. I, I, I I saw that that's what you oh, thanks, were working man. on, and and um, I mean, I would much prefer. That you play saxophone or keyboard in my band and, and <laughs> me we'll, too brother and we'll, and will hire someone else to do the books you know um talk to me about um no last and how um where the inspiration for that came from um mm-hmm. I saw you guys recently at five two eight and was just blown away um, by that band, so can you talk a little bit about how that developed and 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 what the goal is
1: sure um so, I mean, I play, I play a lot of gigs and, and 90% of my existence is like in a supporting role, which I enjoy. Like, I, I love coming to a Brian Chartrand gig and saying, all right, I'm going to do the best I can to make this a good night for this band and, and a good night for this music, right? Like, find the, find my place as a, in, as a supporting role. So, I do that a lot um, and, and I'm good with it. Um, and I'm not a songwriter, so I, uh, like it's not like I'm turning down my original stuff but i do i love new orleans like i love the energy of the music i have i mean from the first time i heard it the first time i went there and when was that i mean i've always had an affinity like as a saxophone player you know i went to school and people are studying like everybody's favorite saxophone player is um you know coltrane or something and and that's great i love those guys but mine was stanley turntine who's not new orleans guy but he's a blues guy Mm. he's um So I always loved, I always came more with the groove and the, and the blues stuff and less, I mean, I love harmonic content, but it's secondary and in New Orleans, like their music, um, it definitely, it has a different vibe and has a different grease. It's about, it's so much more about the feel and, and the energy than a lot of music that I studied. So I love that music. And do you remember kind of
0: being introduced to that music? or or did it just um, kind of happen
1: I've I I don't know I just in in you know I started listening to when the first time I I mean I came at it from like more of the funk side like Prince and Funkadelic were Parliament mm-hmm. I got way into that and then mm-hmm. Maceo Parker and then I find when the Oh Maceo Parker is yeah. one of my favorites Yeah so but So this I, is college yeah, this is college. So I grew up in suburbia. I didn't know any. I didn't know anything about any of this stuff. So I got to college, and then and then all my friends are studying culture, and I'm like, I'm listening to the same part. I still remember a roommate of mine. I was listening to um, um, "Tear the Roof Off the Sucker." Oh yeah. And I just kept listening to it in my room, and I had a roommate who's a great, great. He now teaches uh, at at a at a college in uh, in Baltimore, um, Peabody mm-hmm. Music School. John Hopkins musical but he oh, um, yeah nice I just remember him coming in he's like dude why are you playing that again like just turn that turn it off I just couldn't like I got into it from there yeah but then actually when I moved out here I started playing a band called as is and those guys went to Jazz fest for like every year uh-huh. every year and I and I started listening to more and more stuff but, but I finally I finally realized like oh all this thing because when you're you know Eastman's a great school but it it's goal largely is to get musicians into orchestras uh-huh. and and, right. and 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 then and then like higher end jazz right things and i never really clicked with that uh-huh it's not i mean i i could i could get by yeah 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 but i was i was never stellar right i i was okay or it didn't speak to you it didn't speak to me but i mean these things are interrelated right you mm-hmm. you when when you love something you you, you achieve at a higher level at it, mm-hmm, generally mm-hmm. speaking. So I always achieved more in the blues vein and the groove vein. And and mm-hmm. then when I started hearing New Orleans stuff, I'm like, oh, this is, this is like where I should, you know, to the point that for a little while we we're thinking about moving there. Mm. But I'm kind of, long story short, um, we ended up, Phoenix has been great to us. So we've been here. And I just wanted to put a band together to play this music because mm-hmm. nobody plays that here. Mm-hmm. Nobody. There was a brass band that did the brass band thing, which mm-hmm. I also love, but it's not really what I love. What mm-hmm. I love is uh, Dr. John and the Meters. Mm-hmm. Meters are like mm-hmm. the Funk Brothers of New Orleans mm-hmm. where they were the session musicians that built their, but they built their own band out of it. Mm. neville brothers and came out of that you know and and um tucson, as you say. tucson was yeah. one of the great producers so all these i just have an affinity for that music and it, it always great. speaks to me so i wanted to play it and i remember talking about it and just running it by a couple people and and when i found people that were like my thing with that band was like i do a lot of gigs and there's nothing wrong with doing gigs for money this gig is going to be about more than that, and mm-hmm. it needs to be about more for, more than that for anybody that's in the band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so everybody in that mm-hmm. band has spent energy that the money does not justify. Right. <laughs> and I try to make the money justify, but there's eight sure. of us. There's all the a, a big that's band, a big fucking. It's band. a big fucking band. So uh, I, I I try to get gigs and make it worth everybody's time. And yeah. I, and but but I mean, like we come over, they do rehearsal. I cook red beans and rice. Oh. Like it's family, man. It's yeah. it's like. Man, I want to be in that.
0: <laughs> what can I do? But I, I have, what can I do? I
1: just, I just wanted to share this music, and like, yeah. I have charts. Like, I'm like anybody that wants these charts, take them because I want people to play this music. Right. Because nobody's playing it. Right. And I, I love it. I mean, yeah. I, I just, you know, so, so yeah. So the band is, and, and like Janet Daniel oh. has been my sort of right hand woman, as it yeah. were. She just, she's put the energy in. She, you know, she to the point that she took, she went to New Orleans with me. Ah. Oh. Well, not with me, but you know, we were down there, and she she initiated a trip, and we hung out together, awesome. and like she soaked it up, and then she took some courses with uh, with um, um, Stanton Moore from Galactic. What? Like, yeah, she did like an online summer camp. No shit, thing. Like, she's in it. Like she she wants to learn it. She's like, so, good. and she always had some of that. She's you know her she, pocket is incredible. That's her thing. She wants to play. That's what you need. Like play the groove, yes. keep the groove, make it feel good. Oh my god! And just learn so that she's into did that. You, I'm sorry,
0: not. do mean to okay. cut you up, but did you meet her through Obadiah?
1: No, you met no. Her, prior I to Obadiah that. met her through me. Oh no shit! Yeah,
0: she's fantastic.
1: She was in a band called Sister Blue years yes. ago. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met her back then. But okay. then but then I we we used to do gigs. I can't remember the first time I worked with her. Oh, George Bowman at the Rhythm Room. Oh no shit! That's the first time I played with her. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy great yeah old school blues, blues blues, oh yeah blues yeah yeah that's awesome
0: yeah so can we round out the band leon santiago
1: yeah leon was a late addition is that right the singer um simone i i found i actually saw her on a youtube video the the thing about the new orleans stuff is that it's blues and it's r&b but it's old r&b mm. so a lot of a lot of people that are you know 90s plus R&B that style doesn't translate right. It doesn't work. So I needed someone that was blues first, and and Simone really didn't know much about the New Orleans music. No shit. But but I heard her sing. I'm like, oh, you you know what you need to know, which is the way you sing. Right is appropriate for the this. tone is right. Yeah, the phrasing is right. the yeah. approach is right. So I talked to her, and she's um, if anybody ever needs someone that sings in that fashion, I can't recommend her highly enough. Just she's. She comes excited. What is her last name? Simone Sanchez. Simone. She comes excited to sing. She knows her stuff. She works at it. She's been like like every 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 musician will give you ten stereotypical things about singers, and she's none of those things. Like she's just. I'm dying to know what these are, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know, the singer. Look. Not to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't know the key or care what the key is. Just like expects you to follow it. Oh, I D- see. No diva. Yeah. No diva. I yeah. mean, and the singer's always the most important thing. Like if, it, look, the only thing you can copyright in a song mm. are the lyrics and the melody. Right. Both of which are carried by the singer. Right. Everybody else <laughs> is, is, is not even intellectual property. It's <laughs> <laughs> just Hold the on. truth.
0: Hold on, but this is crazy. I was having a dis- I mean, we're going to we're going to go back to no in a second, but yeah. how can then if that is the case? Um it was that Marvin Gaye tune, remember when when oh, yeah. that, uh, they they sued They were wrong. Right. They were wrong. But how it, how, how can you how can but, you sue over like a percussion groove?
1: Well, I I totally agree with you. I was I was dumbfounded by that. But it's That's, a terrible precedent. Okay, this is the problem with democracy, and it's also the same problem with jury trials. Trials, oh, right? You just have to win, right? Right. And now the law is different. The which law is, is different, which now. is
0: terrifying. So,
1: so legally, you know, I, I should I should amend what I said before. I said it's just the melody and the lyrics. Well, really, what it is is whatever you can get a jury to agree to. Ah, uh, right. But but the letter of the law was for long for for time in time out and the the lyrics and the melody. Wow. And now I don't know what it is. I don't know So not know. even
0: like a like a like a a very recognizable baseline. Because now we're talking about like don't sampling think so. even it, you know Well sampling's different because
1: because right. when you sample something there's there's mechanical and there's intellectual property. Right.
0: Right. right.
1: You don't own, so so my favorite thing is like, what would fifty ways to be leave your lover be without the Stevie Gad groove? Right. It would be a it, it would be maybe, a poorer thing, at and least. It, and it wouldn't even fucking exist. He does not own any of the intellectual property to that song. He yeah. owns he, he the, whoever owns the mechanicals for the recording. Right. That's that's the sampling piece. Right. I see. Right. So there's there's and it, that would be Paul, wouldn't it? I think so. I don't think Steve sees this. If, if he does, it's because they gave it to him. Oh, wow. Gave him they a didn't, point. Or they whatever. didn't have to. Wow. Well. It's all work for hire.
0: I'm sorry, but if Paul Simon did not give Steve Gadd a point or two or ten on 50 ways <sighs> to leave your lover.
1: He didn't. I guarantee you he oh. didn't. But he probably paid him really well for the session and all the touring. He's not hurting. No, Steve
0: <laughs> Steve's doing fine. Everyone's fine. And
1: and and it would it would be within the the constraints of normal, right? right? You right. you get paid a session fee as a musician. You don't right. own any intellectual property. Right. I always think of if the song is conceived with you in the room.
0: Okay, this is another question. That's my belief. All right, so but if, if you're in the room,
1: that's that's a moral point, not a legal point. Right. I I think I think it's you know right. like I I whatever you think about uh uh who's the harmonic guy John uh what's the name of the band uh Blues Traveler Blues Traveler yeah yeah he's famous because he gave equal intellectual property to everybody in his band sure same,
0: same as Blind Melon yeah everyone everyone was song everyone was yeah. a songwriter right
1: you want I mean look it's I, I mean I've had this conversation with people where they started bands I'm like oh, well. You are the singer, you are the writer. That's cool. Mm-hmm. What's my incentive to do shit for free? Right. Because right. if we hit the lottery, you're you're asking me to buy a lottery ticket that I get nothing from if we actually hit. Right. So right. pay me for my services if that's the way you're gonna run it. Right. You can run it however you want if you want to run it that way.
0: No, I love I love the idea of a band, you know, sitting in a room, writing tunes, Ooh. and everyone gets you know, can you imagine? How different George Harrison or Ringo Starr's life would be if everyone got credit for writing everything, right? You know, and well, they're, they're, they they well, may be poor examples. Yeah, Those guys are right. not hurt right. either
1: way. But well, no, no, yeah. no.
0: But but and, and 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 Paul would go in and like redo the drums and yeah. whatever. So bad example. But I do love that sense of camaraderie. Yeah, like we're all in this together. We're all creating this shit right now.
1: Yeah. The laws and morality have never, I mean, this is my philosophy thing. Laws and morality are not the same thing. Right. The laws are what the laws are. Morality is what morality is. I feel like people that are giving to a situation should earn from the situation. Certainly. When certainly, it comes around.
0: Yeah. Certainly in a, in a moment as a songwriter, certainly in a moment of creation, if what you, the way I mm-hmm. see it, if what you do is so important to the song that it, that it really wouldn't be what it was without yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I mean, like a basic drum groove or or whatever. I, I maybe not.
1: Yeah. But, but well, and there's a flip side to that too. Like usually the songwriter is the person that's putting up the money, Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the, I I also give a lot of credit to like Genesis, right? So, um, um Peter Gabriel. Well, not not just Peter. so. <laughs> There's a point in time where none of the song exists. Yes. And that right. first step, that first thing, that first kernel. Yes. Is ineffable. There, from something, from nothing, there is something. Right. And there's, you know, you can't underestimate that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, if you don't have that, ideally you have a good marriage of, 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 of talents. Like, I mean, there's all kinds of tunes. I've come in and played horns for you. I don't deserve any writing credit for any of that stuff right? Like I do that 90% of the time I do recording. I'm coming in after the fact. There's a thing. It's already there. The melody's there. The lyrics are there. Mm -hmm. I'm just adding, you know, color here and there, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's a totally different thing than like, hey, you wrote this song, but if I weren't in the room, it would have gone completely differently. Mm -hmm. Like the melody would be different. Mm -hmm. Maybe lyrics would be the same. I don't know. But I had a, I had a uh, an, right. A, a really, you know. You had an influence. Yes. On, on how it went. Right. Right. And and if you value me in that room, recognize that even though the law doesn't value me, right, then I'm valuable. Right. Because your song would be poorer without me. Agreed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And but but yeah. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a whiskey, bro. But I don't know where we started this. <laughs> this
0: is what I love so about the story this podcast. Goes. So the story goes, bro. Uh. This
1: is what I love
0: about this podcast. We just get to go explore some things, some tangents, have a taste. Well, we were talking about Nolas yeah. and we started to uh, talk about some of the players. Is it a pretty fixed group of people? Uh, do you see a lot of like different players come in? It's a, so an eight piece fucking band. I mean, that's yeah. hard as a, as a, as someone who has a seven piece band yeah uh it's hard and almost a luxury to have consistent players
1: the way i handle it is um right now uh if i get a call for something or i'm looking for a date i call janet and i call simone Mm -hmm. and if they can do it i'll do the gig yeah yeah part of that is because the way I've handled it is I've, I've written charts for Mm -hmm. like horn players. I love my guys and the, and the guys that are in the band, Benji and and Kevin get that, get first call Mm -hmm. and, and, and then, but, but I can do the gig without them because they're playing horn parts and I've written them and I've had great guys come in and do a great job. Yes. Um, um and the bass lines I've written out the bass lines so right. I you know if I call up a Mel Brown or a Mario like I know I can handle that yeah but but right. I, the only person I really saw, Shay has played bass keys and saxophone in that band <laughs> and and it started with like well I need I need to cover bass and and I knew Shay again could do the job yeah, right. but once he covered bass I'm like well I know he knows the material so now he can cover the the horn like we when we did the mim our our trombone player still wasn't comfortable being in, in public gigs, didn't feel good about it. So yeah. I called the other trombone player that we've used in the past who's great, but I didn't know another one that I felt comfortable with. So yeah. I called Shay and I just rewrote all the parts for
0: oh, no, Tanner Shay- and Barry. And yeah, he played cool. Awesome.
1: Because I know I, I just, I, there's two things about the band for me that are most important, the music and respect for it. Right. Like I don't right. want anybody on that gig who doesn't want to be on the gig. That's only there for money. Right. The money is number one. If you're only there for money,
0: you're I in the wait, wrong fucking profession.
1: Well, well, you're in the wrong profession, but you're even within the music world. Like, yeah. I, I, I do my best, but man, like on an eight-piece band, you're probably not. The money's not going to be the reason it's worth it, no. right? So I go out on my way to make sure the vibe is good. Like everybody right. that's there is excited, and right. I'm so thankful. Yeah, that the energy is 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 about just like let's get together and play this stuff. I mean, yeah. and I and I, I go to them like the other day we had a gig, and I, I went to them and said, look, we have this thing. It's a four-hour gig. How do you guys feel about it? It only pays this. Yeah, it's good for a club, but because there's eight of us, it's not good. Right, right. So here's what it pays. Here's the thing: like how many? Guys, and they kind of looked at me like, dude, just keep booking. Yeah, like we want to do this. Yeah, and, uh, and and develop
0: it. Yeah, and it's yeah,
1: it's not original music, but it's 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 our chance to play this stuff that. We don't get a chance to play I, there's not the only songs in that band that I play in any other band are are because like I went to Matt Weddle and said, Hey, we let's try this. Right. Or I went to Vanessa Mendez and said, Hey, yeah. check this out. Yeah, 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 And they and they're like, Yeah, you know, that is awesome. We'll put that in there. Yeah. But cool. they're not gonna transcend the the popular nobody else like in the bar knows them. You know? Right. So right.
0: Well, you know. No, I, I feel you on the you know, you you know, you kinda have to have in such a big band you have to kind of have your core yeah cats yeah and if they can't do it yeah i can't i don't want to do it yeah
1: you know yeah those yeah and then those for me that's it and then leon is leon has been doing more and more so like if i have either leon or simone i can probably get through a gig Mm -hmm. i I don't necessarily want to but i I can Mm -hmm. and with janet She, she really, she, you know, I, I'm a reluctant leader. (laughs) I'm doing it because I feel like if I don't, then it won't happen. Right. Right. So Janet really is awesome in her support of that. Like when I screw up, she's there to catch me. Mm -hmm. And when I get ahead of myself and and get anxious, Mm -hmm. she'll end the tune without me, you know, (laughs) screwing it up. Right. So it's good, you know. And, um, so you have
0: some dates. You have some dates on the calendar. Yeah. So the, the idea is to uh, what? B- bring it to some performing arts centers, or, or maybe yeah, that, destination management companies, or
1: yeah. I mean, originally I intended this to be like festivals, mm-hmm. like you know. I, I had in mind when I put it together. I'm like, there. This is a thing nobody's doing, and there's a place for it. Scottsdale Culinary and Tempe Arts. And, yes. And like you know. Hell, there's 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 people in town that do Mardi Gras festivals, and there's not a single band that plays anything from New Orleans. Crazy. It it just I don't understand. And and actually, some of them I reached out to, and I've gotten nothing. That's I'm like you you don't even know what you're doing. Like right. I mean, there's there's that's the, like having that's like that's like
0: having Oktoberfest, like having yeah. an Oktoberfest, and there's no bratwurst. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. They 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 just it's like I mean. You don't have to fly anybody in. No, like, here's this thing. We got it. It's this right is, here. This, it's right it's here. It's local, and you're going to hire someone to do like, you know, the right. same, the same stuff that they, as any other festival. And right. and to be fair, maybe that works for them, right? Maybe that mm. that's what their clientele wants. I don't know, hmm. but hmm. but but I'll tell you, one of my favorite things is when I play and I see people mouthing the lyrics to some of these songs. Right. I'm like, ah, you're from New Orleans, right? Because that's that's like I love Phoenix. It's been great to me. But I have this theory about cities like and I think of it as cultural half-life. And and how soon after you move to a place, yeah, do you think of yourself as from that place? Yes. Yes. And I feel like the cultural half-life in Phoenix is something like 40 years. <laughs> And the cultural half-life of New York is, like, five minutes. Right. And the cultural half-life of New Orleans is also five minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah. some cities, like, there's just, they enter your heart. Yes. And and, and I love Phoenix. I don't mean to disparage it. Right. It's It's just, there's so many people that are from somewhere else well, that that's for 20 years, are still from somewhere well, else. Right.
0: That's what we were talking about before. Like, um, um, it's such a city of transplants, yeah. obviously. I mean, just look at, just listen to the fucking podcast, like very rarely is yeah. anyone from here east coast west coast you know um and i and i see that as um as an advantage uh for us for the for, for the greater musical community that it's such a it's such a has a, such a broad cross section of america and beyond you know yeah um but yeah i know what you're saying it's like yeah. i home I, I you know i i spent 27 years in massachusetts this is home
1: right i'm i'm a Phoenix phoenician is home. i'm a phoenician you know and and but i mean i feel like so that broad cross-section of of america lives in la and lives in new york but if you do this podcast mm-hmm. and you ask people where they're from they say they're from la and right. they're from new york they right. tell their friends they're from la and right. they're from new york and i'm like right no you, you right man you, motherfucker. you're still rooting for the lakers that's fine <laughs> but you've lived here right you've lived here longer than you did in la right so right. you may be from there but yeah i was born there yeah you were born there
0: they moved there yeah. here when they were six this and, is and, where and, yeah. you
1: found your wife and you right. lived and it Put supported some you, down right especially if you're a musician making a living here man right. like give some respect like this place right. has supported us yeah and and uh, you know I'll be eternal wherever I end up in life I'll be eternally yeah. grateful for my time here because yeah. I moved here to quit me too and this city no this city talked me back into it I I went here to to get a master's degree in philosophy my goal was to be here for two years and then go to wherever I could get into to get my PhD I was going to try it out make no. sure the ma- and then and then Fucking like halfway through my way. first year of my master's I was gigging and by the end of my master's I was like playing full time in a band and I'm like mm. alright I'm back to music because I didn't know. Partly, part of that was I lived in Rochester, and I, yeah. I was like, "There's no way to do that there." Yeah.
0: Fucking same, same, yeah.
1: same. Yeah. And this I had a lot. No so th- this place gave us yes our livelihood, our, bro, uh, my our career. career bro. Yeah. It
0: it so, delivered it delivered the career to me. This right. fucking town
1: made possible your desired. I had no idea if that that was
0: the case for you. I felt totally. the same fucking thing. Trying to gig in Boston and New York, yeah. and there's no work in fucking Western Massachusetts. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I came out here, and I literally didn't want it. I wanted a desk job. I wanted health insurance. Yeah, I wanted. I to still check. want
1: that. By the <laughs> way, <laughs> looking for
0: <laughs> looking for insurance sponsorship. Um, uh. Moved out here, and I got that. You know, I worked. I worked for a nonprofit for two years, but immediately, literally, like the the next month. I moved Mm -hmm. here in October 2003. By November of 2003, I was already like writing songs, playing open mics, starting a band. That's because Phoenix. Had work, had work. That's yeah. it, you know. Totally. And had great fucking players. Totally, I had
1: no idea that there, there's an upside to everything, man. Like you know, the the the, the depth of talent. There's there's a lot oh of talent God. in Phoenix, but the depth of talent here is not what it is in L.A. or New York. In terms, yeah. if you just think of the ratio of competent musicians to open gigs, mm. mm-hmm. it's much more favorable here than it is in either of those places. Agreed. I mean, there's just no way to to dispute nope. that. No, nope. but that doesn't mean we don't have great players. It's just again, it's it's about the 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 depth and 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 that affords someone that comes in with something to offer. I feel like Phoenix is a great place if you want to to grow something from nothing because yes. the the risk. I mean,
0: right? Any business right. owner, right? It's funny that you mentioned risk, right? It's like well, we don't have to pay. We don't have to pay New York or L.A. rent. Yeah. Cost of living. I mean, yeah. all of this plays a part in being able to do what we do. Totally. And it was the, it it was like, I wouldn't say a light bulb moment, but moving out here and seeing that, you know, people are working, people are working on a Tuesday. There's an acoustic duo over here. Someone's Mm. doing a trio on Wednesday. I'm like, this is incredible. Yeah. Maybe it is possible. Yeah. I didn't know it was. Yeah, I that's so funny. I I
1: that's so funny. Yeah.
0: Literally fucking same same on that shit.
1: Yeah, part of part of it for me was I realized I realized when I my first year at at ASU for my philosophy program, my two two of my favorite professors didn't get tenure. Mm. And in what that means for academics is you're pretty much screwed. Right. If you don't get tenure, that means you're damaged goods. Cuz mm. and and and, and mm. getting tenure has nothing to do with teaching. It has to do with publishing. So you have mm-hmm. to get published x number of times, hmm. and kind of some bullshit. It's not well. It's it's just the structure of the game. That there's so many people. It's one of the few things that's more competitive than than being a musician. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't know about it. That's not not the right way to put it. Your your job prospects. So you can do everything right as a philosopher, but you can't play in a bar as a philosopher. You right. either get a teaching job and have a full time gig, or you're unemployed. Mm. and and so hmm. and then to get employed you have to you, you have to teach and you have to be really good to just to get an employment offer and then you have to publish and, set, and this is not just philosophy but all academia right. you have to publish the way you're evaluated is is, is literally 50 percent of your job is to get published hmm. which is awesome in one respect because 50 of your job as an academic is to pursue your interests and get published and recognized within the media Within within the academic circle, but if you don't do that, within f- usually three or four years, you're pretty much done, and you and and you didn't achieve the thing, and you're let go. You don't get a full time gig, and well, you're done.
0: And and you can't go down to the corner bar and yes. philosophize, right? On the don't, weekends.
1: Don't get an orchestral job. You can still put together, you know, a string section for a rock band or yeah. whatever it is. Use Or your weddings or fucking but There's not a lot or... of side skills for philosophy or history majors. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Right. So, academia was one. I, I realized, like, I can't do this part-time if I'm going to mm-hmm. compete at any level. Right. I think I, maybe I would have been able. I don't know if I would have succeeded. It's really easy to say, yeah, I would have been a great. Right. I, I, the people around me thought I had a chance at it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: but not not the life i wanted right not like just just as you know nose to the grindstone as music with the chance of complete failure and having to do so like i said one of my one of my friends went to law school one of my teachers Mm -hmm. you know and i'm like i don't want there's no i'm not i'm not competing at that level i want to play music right i like you know being in bars and and playing for people and Singing the songs and yeah. <laughs> you know it's, that's where my heart was. Ah, uh,
0: well, fucking, so glad that you decided to do that.
1: <laughs> Cheers.
0: We need to fill your shit up again. Prom, well, you prom. know, it's your, you, me, you know, me, up, you're but. you're thirsty. You had a long day. Yeah, you I know, did. I'll get you another uh yeah. ice cube too.
1: Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> We're past that point.
0: Well, we're going, we don't need an ice cube. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been really, man, I'm, I'm really, there's so much great talent playing tomorrow with AJ O'Neill. Yeah, I love. Yeah. Um, random last minute thing. Cool. Um, and, 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 and you know how it is, man. Like you, you're part of it. Like I feel like I'm integrated into the city to some extent at least. Yes. And well, you've worked hard
0: at, at your rep, you know, your, your yeah. reputation. And, and, you know, as we were talking about before, you know, kind of these intangible bits about being a professional musician is, you know, be on time and and be prepared and 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 you know, be a good hang. Holy shit! You know, all of this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I do. I, I mean I do. that is a that is a thing. You know, if you're not a good hang, yeah, I don't care.
1: But well, none of our gigs pay enough to put up with bullshit. Right. So we're not going to bring the bullshit to our own beach. Right. I, I I'm just I'm totally in that space. Like. Yeah. I don't care if, uh, look, I'm not even the best musician for my own band. Like I am, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm playing piano because it's really hard to find piano players compared yeah. to, and not that there aren't piano players that do a great job. They're just too right. busy for my shit. Right. So I'm going to play piano in my own band. Yeah, I should be playing saxophone, but I'm going to play piano in my <laughs> band because that's what I need. And, and I will compromise. I will never compromise on character yeah. in my own projects yeah. ever, ever. I need people that I want to be around because again, I'm not making a shit ton of money. Right, and if I lose a gig because we're not well, a we never lose a gig because nobody's playing like killing scales or like great musicianship matters, but great energy trumps that every day. Yes, and that's part of the New Orleans thing. Yes, right. That's and that's my ethos and my aesthetic. I want joy. Yeah, this music is joyful for me, and right. anything that steps on that, I'm over. I don't give. I don't give yeah. it a second thought. Yeah, it's, it's an easy decision.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: To, you know, yeah. I don't care how great you play. You could, exactly. you, could you could be Doctor John's dupe, doppelganger, and if you're an asshole, I don't want a right. second of your time. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah, the the hang is such yeah. a, is such a thing, and I had no idea what that even fucking was until it wasn't you know when it's wrong you when know When it's wrong you know and you're like why are we doing this again like yeah. why are you in this fucking yeah. band why like go wait, home
1: how much does it pay to work it <laughs> right <laughs>
0: <Fucking> whatever <laughs> yeah. to, to right. do anything other than this because yeah. this shit is fucking miserable yeah yeah the hang man yeah i don't care how fucking good the music is i'm,
1: I'm totally with you and like yeah. you know i want i want all of it right but the yeah. first the first thing i'll give up right this musician you know right and and the truth is chops or whatever yeah chops is easy for me to give up because i never gave a shit about those anyway yeah but but like it's it's just got to feel good like my my day has to be joyful because it's not going to be lucrative right right Not by not by the standards that, like, I mean, if I were a lawyer, yeah. I'd be completely miserable, right. and
0: I'd be rich. and you, Yeah, <laughs> and you'd go to your house in Arcadia, yeah. and you'd laugh all the way to your hot tub. And door. then I'd go
1: and hear somebody like you play music, because I needed a second <laughs> of joy in my life that I don't have. <laughs>
0: That's right. <a, laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
1: Man, I think I've kept you way longer than I told you I would.
0: <laughs> I was like, bro, it'll take like an hour and 15 minutes or whatever. Whiskey helped, You've been here for
1: like four hours.
0: <laughs> uh, Ted Belladin, it's such a pleasure. Uh, to uh, work with you, it's a pleasure. I'm so uh, honored to be your friend, and I, well, I hope we're friends. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, we've done some incredible uh, musical things together, and I hope we get to do more of that um, in the coming year. We've actually, yeah, we've we, been we yeah, talking about all this cool shit. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for that. It's a, it's a joy to uh, share the stage with you. You are. Um, such an easy hang i mean if we're talking about hangs um you're really a delight to work with and you, you you i i love the realness uh of your heart and and just the you have like a you have a a, a true north that that i really respect and in a, in a business that uh sometimes the true north gets a little fucking dodgy <laughs> you know but uh i appreciate you spending your evening with me and uh, I hope that we get to work uh, together again very soon. Here,
1: here, brother. So story goes.